Watch a full-length movie on YouTube With Mike Spiegelman Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube With Mike Spiegelman Let's watch Hi, this is Carl I wrote this song I I'm Mike's friend My turn-ons are satin sheets I love to be outdoors. Follow me on Twitter. Jokes to call. The French duh, not the duh, duh. Let's watch a Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. How are you, man? All right. Ready to watch this film. Looking forward to a good episode because it's a good film. We are going to watch a good film this week. We are streaming right now, as we always do, every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on San Francisco's own Mutiny Radio. What is Mutiny Radio? It's an internet radio station. You can find it at mutinyradio.fm. You can hit it, and you can stream it. 
the full afternoon uh, Sunday shows. We're just part of it, so make it an afternoon. But check it out. Listen to us first on Mutiny Radio. Listen to us next on our podcast, which uh, posts every Sunday night, Sunday afternoon. Uh, you have to find it by our acronym, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Go ahead and subscribe. You'll hear the, the podcast. We're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube with the sound off, and you're going to listen, watch the movie and listen to our podcast at the same time. So you're going to have to find the YouTube. If you want to just not deal with it, check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Carl is the producer of this show. You heard his fantastic theme song. He has researched this movie we're going to watch. He has also synced this movie and posted it on YouTube. And very shortly, Carl, we'll be hearing an interview you had with a celebrity comedian who will talk Correct. about their celebrity and their comedianness, and then give us a countdown to this movie. I'm really anxious. A good movie this week? Carl, what is this movie? This week, we will watch The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Don't, don't put in man. The Incredible Shrinking Woman, 1981. And the channel we like is Kenny Love Music Movie. Not Jimmy Eat World. Kenny Love Music Movie. That's the most inspirational uh, YouTube channel I've heard. So Kenny loves mo moves, music movies. Fuck you, books. Kenny doesn't like them. No, no, Magazines, no. Well, uh, it, it, movie is quicker. Goes yeah. right in. You know? Uh -huh. Video uh, game too much for Kenny. So go ahead and find. The Incredible Shrinking Woman. The Incredible Shrinking Woman. 1981. Kenny loves music movies. You're going to find Kenny's link. Here's what we need you to do. We want you to enjoy the following interview coming up. And during the interview, we want you to hit, find the link, hit play, hit pause. Whoa, no, even worse. That, 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 that. Yes. So two ads will play. One, you're just going to have to watch. The other one, you can skip at five. And one said, no, actually, I just got one ad today. Good for me, right? Lucky me. Yeah, I got one ad. After that ad plays, hit pause, move your timer to zero, zero, zero. And then while you're listening to the interview, the celebrity comedian, when they're done, they're going to give you the celebrity comedian countdown. And when they say go, we go. So, Carl, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Chris Carfaro. Welcome. Hey, Carl. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Now, we know each other out there on the comedy scene. Most of the time, it's open mics, less than shows. And I think you're very new to comedy. Maybe there was a pre-pandemic time, but uh, you know, in the in the context of things, right? It's pretty new. Tell tell me why you got into comedy, how you got into comedy, and how long are we talking about here? Sure. So uh, before the pandemic, I had one of my friends who thought he was funny come at me and say, "Hey, I'm doing an open mic. I know you love comedy. Uh, why don't you come out and uh, try it out?" So me and him, we went to the uh, the original stand in New York City. Ah, uh -huh, the original our first one. Yeah. Open mic, yeah. Um, that dirty, dingy basement. Yeah. I was like, we've made it. This is how comedy should be. And I told a story uh, about my dad, something I've told to all my friends, family, hundreds of times. You know, so I already knew that it was going to be a decent story to tell, and we got some laughs. But for us, we were like. First time we got laughs. Comedy's easy. Like it's done. <laughs> it then really is. We went, yeah. Then we went back the second week, tried actual material, and just played to crickets. <laughs> so mm. I took a little bit of time off after that. Uh, I had to check the ego a little bit. But then um, 
Was that I'll Laughing say, Buddha? What's that? Was that Laughing Buddha? So yeah, it was uh, early on in the Laughing Buddha. I don't think they had a formal uh, agreement yet with the stand, but now if you go to the stand, it's all Laughing Buddha shows right. as far as the open mic, um, which I like those people. They're nice. Um, they let you on and they, they give you some good encouragement. Those are always good mics to do. Um, but then I took a little time off and then I really because missed it. Because of the it, pandemic? So. Because of the pandemic or? So that was in 2017. So I took about till uh, early 2019 to get uh -huh. back into it. I really needed some time to let that ego cool off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So then I went real hard um, on comedy, going all the open mics. Uh, I actually saw you for the first time. We didn't uh, meet then, but I saw you at uh, Scotty's Comedy uh, Cove. Yeah. And I saw you do the first mic flip. And I was like, oh, comedy is more than just telling stories. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I hit up the scene a little bit, did a couple showcases in the city, uh, actually got uh, the industry room at um, Broadway Comedy Club. I won that competition. So I Terrific. had a little bit of a residency. And then right at the turn of that, pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm a scientist, uh, former scientist, I guess you could call it at this point. Well, you're um, between jobs, right? Right, you're right. I'm taking scientist. a little bit of a hiatus. <laughs> you're educated. You are a scientist. Right. So literally, right, we hit the pandemic. I think comedy's dead. So I'm like, I might as well just double down on science because hopefully this is the only pandemic I'll ever see in my entire lifetime. I think it would be pretty good to get that on a resume. <laughs> so I did that. And did then, you do any um, Zoom shows during the pandemic? No, I literally just said, Chris, if you're going to do something, you have to do it all the way. Um, it looks like that's going to be science. You know, I didn't really have a lot of connections at the time in comedy. So I didn't know who I could ask where they were doing Zoom shows, uh, where the uh, outdoor shows were. So right. I, I literally just said, it's time for you to be a scientist, time to help out the community. And then I was like, I'm just having fun. <laughs> I need to get back into comedy. Now, you do a lot of jokes about growing up rural, right? Growing oh, yeah. up country. Tell me about that. Where did you grow up? How did this influence your comedy? And uh, what's the contrast now? Uh, I mean, we're, this isn't ur an urban setting, but still, <laughs> yeah. you know, tell us about the difference. Of course. So uh, I grew up in Long Valley, New Jersey, which uh, if anyone doesn't know where that is, it's in Morris County, right up against the Pennsylvania border. Um, and I grew up right across from a horse farm. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty rural. Uh, I had like a quarter mile long driveway. Uh, so it's definitely different. I live in Hoboken right now. Yeah. And uh, just the, the sounds at night, I'm used to, you know, hearing like raccoons and, and deer and bear sure. and those things are what put me to sleep you know when i hear a siren i'm like all right what are we doing here <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's yeah. got to be an emergency exactly but i feel like that has definitely uh influenced my comedy at least uh up until this far uh, i mean the great juxtaposition between where i grew up and where i uh am living now plus i also went to school in the bronx at fordham university there's just so much that an outside observer who's never experienced any of this, mm -hmm. like you can just take in. I've never experienced Ubers until, you know, mm -hmm. probably three years ago. Mm -hmm. So that whole experience is one thing that's 
still kind of blowing my mind. I don't understand how you could have a stranger just pick you up in a car. Now, from in Long Valley, still within 50 minutes, you're in the city, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and Morristown, that's, you know, I mean, you weren't so removed, right? right? Is it really so secluded? It's pretty crazy because I would say up until college, um, maybe a little bit in high school, I thought Morristown was the big city. Uh-huh. You know, we play, <laughs> I played football in uh, high school. We played Morristown every single year. And when we would go there, we were like, all right, are we going to have police escorts or something? It's pretty dangerous out there. Yeah, it's and dangerous then, in Morristown. Yeah, later on, I met someone from the Morristown football team, and uh, we actually had a cow walk across our football field right before a state championship – or not state championship, mm-hmm. state playoff game when we were playing Morristown. And they were like, we'd never seen anything like that. We were just waiting for a bear to come eat the cow. So <laughs> – it wasn't just me. I always felt like it was just me projecting, but it's other people. It's yes. uh, it's a whole new world. Okay, now I want to get to this movie podcast. You have a huge movie podcast. Mm-hmm. What's the name of it? Well, it's called The Huge Movie Podcast <laughs> because it's all-encompassing, right? So it's me, um, my friend from home, Connor Garrigan, uh, John Gallagher, a new friend, and Jack mm-hmm. Mayberry, our producer, what we're doing every week is we've taken the IMDb top 100 movies of all time list, and we've put that into a giant bracket, right? So we use the seating from that to make our matchups. Um, and every single week we take one matchup, we argue about which movie should be moving on, which one's best. We argue why that is. And uh, overall, we're hoping to see what the actual greatest movie of all time is in our opinion gotcha Um, we've had a very very big disagreement with imdb Uh we hate citizen kane as i told you before Mm -hmm. uh one of the most overrated movies there is and if everyone disagrees come listen to the podcast come comment and i'll fight you on it Yeah, Rosebud, not uh, the most uh, revealing ending. Uh, I don't know. Like we were talking in person, you know, it was um, it was it was shocking to people at the time, and that made it very popular. And now it's gotten to the point. You're right; it's overrated. At least yeah. in my opinion, I'm with you guys there. A hundred percent. And you know, it's not to say that at the time these movies weren't good or on the cutting edge. But as one of the main theme, themes we've been talking about, because we're still in the lower-ranked movies, those yeah. tend to be the older movies that have fallen out of favor with people. We've noticed that the technology for when these old movies came out were cutting edge at the time, right? Yeah. It influenced a bunch of different movies. However, the movies that are being produced right now have taken what they've done, expanded upon it, and it's like anything. The old's going to come out and the news going to replace it. Yes. Not saying that those weren't great movies at the time, but there's better stuff now because of those old movies. Yeah. So you can still have an appreciation. Time. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Okay, Chris Cafiro, how can people find you out there on the internet, on social media? Do you have a website? Do you have YouTube? Is Instagram your haunt? How can people find you and find out what you're up to? So biggest two things, uh, Instagram and YouTube, uh, both of those are at Chris Carfaro. Um, Instagram and YouTube are both where you'll find the uh, podcast as well. 
uh, the Huge Movie Podcast again. Uh, I'm on Twitch at uh, Topher Carf. So it's the end of Christopher and the first four <laughs> letters of Carf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's basically it. So people who are listening to the audio version know the last spelling of your last name. It's like Car, then Far, then an O. Car, yeah, car, far, far. Oh. But it's, <laughs> very nice. But it's Carfaro. It's Carfaro. Yes. Okay. Now, Chris. Chris Carfaro. Everyone at home, poised to watch this film. Same time we do here in the studio. So everyone at home has got to press play on their device at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. So why don't you go ahead, Chris Carfaro, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. All right. I've been waiting for this. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Thank you, Celebrity Comedian Countdown, for your Celebrity Comedian Countdown. Very interesting. I can't wait to listen to it later. Right, we're starting off with Universal, the old school intro. Yeah, this is a Universal movie. It really appeals to all audiences. Universally. <laughs> oh, there's no CC on this. Uh, Kenny, come on, we need closed captioning. Well, right. Tom Lily Tomlin, it says for you, Charles Grodin. Oh, it's Star Pack. It's, it's it is Star Pack. Ned, Ned Beatty. Listen, you can't have Charles Grodin without Ned Beatty. Good point. I love the graphics. Talk about 1981. Yeah, it's like your calculator's graphics. Your pocket calculator. See how they what? zoomed in? So, so the cast is full blast. Mark Blankfield. Who's Mark Blankfield? He, we saw him as the star in The Jerk 2. That's right. He was the star. That's right. And he does his job in this film. I mean, he really does a good job. You know, he's very much a comedic actor. There's lots of um, Pratt Hall kind of things. Now, so Mike what this movie is trying to do is talk about how awful consumerism was in the 70s. How it, I mean, this is 81 it's released, but it was shot in the 70s. And so is this an actual commercial? So this guy's actually on the street as from a supermarket. Right. And he's trying to get people to try the product. And it's basically cheese whiz. Um, and of course, cheese whiz tastes gross. I think personally myself, a lot of the more sodium, the better it tastes. Oh, and I agree with you on that. So that's the joke. People are going to try the product and blech. This whole movie is talking about the consumerism and it blames her shrinking on these chemicals, you know, from all the products. Based suggested by the novel, Shrinking Man. Right. Now, in 1957, there was a movie called The Incredible Shrinking Man. And they're trying to say that this movie is a parody of it, but it's not. It's just the title. It's just a parody of the title, you know? Yeah. Um, there was a book in 1956 called The Shrinking Man, and it was uh, authored, let's see. Yeah, here it is. The guy's name is Richard Matheson. He hated this film. He thought it was terrible and unfunny. Oh, no, that poor guy. He must have seen the yeah. wrong movie. Yeah, he's a famous Twilight Zone science fiction writer, Richard Matheson. Yep, look. He she he just shoves she he just shoves the crackers in her mouth. Lily Tomlin is just a consumer coming out of the grocery and she's been ambushed. Right. All on television too. Let's see what he says. 
She's reading a book. That's how I do it. I have my four kids on the shopping cart while I push a novel. <laughs> now, her kids are the typical 70s kids. They are not well-disciplined. They're out of control because kids will be kids is the way we thought of it back then. So oh, right. Chaos and trouble. And also, it's about the craziness of life with kids that accidents will happen and that's what's just about to happen this curious little girl uh the aerosol can back in the 70s that's instant death now i I guess that's a cleaning product or something they're really struggling it with now every movie has an inciting incident that kicks off our movie like you see the beginning of the hero's regular world and then something happens that rips them away from that regular world well, this uh, movie doesn't do a good job with the inciting incident. We really don't know what is making her shrink. When I saw the film as a kid, and that's why I suggested I did this. Too. So I thought she fell into a vat of chemicals and it, it affected her. But no, that was actually the ending. And I will get to that. So, oh, man, okay. look at those melons. <laughs> it's more of the craziness of suburban life and i'm i'm one thing i should mention up front during the opening credits this is written by jane wegman and directed by joel shoemaker and and i think with lily tollin and uh charles grodin i only saw this movie in 1981 but yeah yeah, it stuck with me this film i liked it too i really did and i i don't know if i liked it but it stuck with me too it's, it does a, a trick, and again, like I'm watching, I can't say I'm re-watching it if it's been 42 years, but... Yeah, right, you can't, yeah. I know. But it's like, what I remember as a kid was that it was entertaining, but it had a real message about, like, just, like, a really strong feminist message in this, because she literally is neglected in this movie. And uh, she's, like, wow. just an item, she's an object in her little dollhouse, literally, in this film. And the husband ignores her, and She's trying to be heard. And I just remember, no, that's not the movie I saw 41 years ago. No, she is a major character in this film who is not overlooked at all. She is loved by the husband. Really? Okay. Absolutely. But don't you think it's a metaphor being trapped in a dollhouse and being small and whose voice is small? I think it could be a metaphor if this movie had a small woman who was ignored. She is large and in charge in this film. Are we seeing two Lilies? We are. We're seeing two Lily Toms. She'll play four people in this, four characters. And two of them are made famous from from Latin, which was her start, really. Now... She was in, most recently in a movie called 80 for Brady, but this movie, right. she's like 40 for Brady, right? Because it's 42 years ago. Yeah, I suppose. Yes, she probably is in her early 40s here. Now, the woman who sh- she's sitting across from herself. Now, this neighbor is named Judith Beasley, and she was a character really from to- Lily Tomlin's live comedy shows, uh, more than laugh-in. We'll see that telephone operator Oh, one ringy dingy? But it's like a cameo kind of thing. Luann, I think. No, Luann was the child uh, she did. Let's see. 
Ernestine, a telephone operator, and Edith Ann was a little girl who would sit in the big chair. She'd pretend to be a little girl, and that was on Laughing. That didn't make it into this film, but it did make it into the TV version of this film. Oh, how cool is that? For no other reason, because they had the footage. It's like, here, I'm going to leave these products with you. She goes, I have no room in my house for these products. She goes, no problem. <laughs> they stick to the wall. We're products. <laughs> That'll be throughout the film. It's sort of like an Avon lady kind of takeoff. Consumerism just trying to sell right, to all to of house. the literally, literally in your own home. And the husband, of course, has a job doing advertising for products. Gotcha. Now we're having a funny bit, and they're doing the crazy music of got to put all the groceries away. This is uh, me and my house. It says I don't put them away. I just eat them. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, where's well, we're the Pop-Tart? Oh, never mind. Now, we don't have bags anymore at the store. Do you guys still have that in L.A.? Yeah, I mean, you California has a law. This takes place in California. Again, when we saw this, we were in New Jersey, and I always had an idealized fantasy of what California was like because of films like this. But as mm -hmm. it stands today, you can get a bag. You just pay in a, a dime. Oh, okay. Is it a plastic bag or a reusable? It really, it really depends on the com on the store, but it's usually a plastic or paper bag. And like at Trader Joe's, I'll get a double paper bag, or I could buy like the little reusable Trader Joe's bag, say. But if I do the double bag, that's 20 cents. But it's, you know what? When that law passed like 10 years ago, right? I, it was fine. I just need the fucking bags. I'll right. pay the extra 10 cents. I reuse the bags. Yeah. Anyway, so Now here comes Charles Grodin after his business trip, and he like did really well, and they gave him an hour-long presentation. They gave him a standing ovation. Now look, that's love. That is love. <clears throat> Not an ignored woman, and it's all going to be about them tonight. Great. Oh, with the kids too? Or the kids are not well, happy. The kids dad. like, Daddy's home. And they're like, hi, dad. And he goes, all right, I guess the presents will wait. And they go, presents! And they run. The good, good, uh, that's good airport presents right there. Yeah. Right? Welcome right. to Seattle. They I make that joke, Mike. Oh, they do? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a dead ringer. But you have to expect it, right? Mm-hmm. And for the lady. <laughs> <laughs> now, Joel Shoemaker and, well, you know, I don't know if you remember Lily Tomlin had a woman, one woman show called In Search of Intelligent Life in the Universe. Yes. It, yes. And that was one of her first big things that made her a famous comedian. That's written by Jane Wegman, who wrote the screenplay. Well, that she would, Jane uh, Wagner is her Wagner. wife. In yeah. real life. For decades. They met, let's see. They met so long ago. Um, she made a writing debut, CBS Afternoon Special, JT, in 1969. She won a Peabody Award for that. And that drew the attention of Tomlin, who was looking for someone to help develop the laugh-in character, Edith Ann. So that's okay, it was the beginning of a collaboration. They fell in love, and, and they're, they're together today. Back when she was 20 for Brady. What? Uh, yes, <laughs> that's right. Uh, she wrote and directed Moment by Moment, starring Tomlin and John Travolta. She wrote this. Oh, yes. uh, well, it's a long list of things. They're not all collaborations with uh, Lily Tomlin, yeah. but most of them are. 
And I think she's very comfortable with that. I saw a really good movie with Lily Tomlin called Grandma. It came out maybe eight years ago. That was really good. And that starred the woman who would go on to be in Ozark and get very successful. She wasn't at the time, but she really did a good job. She really played the um, meek, uh, you know, she was a girl in trouble. And Grandma was helping. Grandma was helping. Yeah, that's true. Now, he's going through names for perfumes. How about intense? How about this? And and Lily Tomlin goes, how about sex pot? And the next thing you know, he's in the office going, sex pot. Sex pot? (laughs) (laughs) It's bold. I like it. It's direct and to the point. It's It's hardcore marketing. I love it. This is a little sick because they want to overhear their parents having sex. But when their parents really do start to have sex, they leave, which is the proper thing to do as a little pig kid. Now, remember I told you about the inciting incident. What is making her shrink? We really don't get to see it except for in this scene, there's like a hint. See, they're going to do it now, and the kids just recognize that and walk away. Oh, good. Panning over to what might be the inciting incident, what else could it be? Does he shrink in this scene? I could explain, honey. I had a long trip. That's the thing I was thinking. If this is the inciting incident, then why why isn't he shrinking? Oh, all the chemicals from the yeah. neighbor. I guess from the neighbor. Is it from the neighbor? I, I there, That was on a box on the shelf. Right. So here he is in the office going, sex pot. Look at that baby's hair. God bless him. I think it says it all. I think of sex and dope. Sex pot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a shame, you know, we always say, like, if you want to see this movie, it's on YouTube. So, you know, yes. we're going to talk over it. It's our podcast. But... Well, yeah, I recommend that you see this film. Now, look, this isn't the greatest film in the world, but you are going to laugh and you are going to enjoy it. And everyone's charismatic in it, but it's not the greatest film ever. And it's not just drop dead hilarious. Um, are, you, so... are you a fan of the director? Are you aware of the director? Well, this director is a big deal, uh, and this is his premiere as a director. This is his first film directing. He was really a costume designer, a production designer, and he was an author. He wrote Car Wash, and he wrote The Wiz. uh, Yeah, the screenplay. Joel Schumacher, yeah, yeah. He wrote the screenplay. Now, he did DC Cab, St. Elmo's Fire. You know this guy. Of course. Uh, the Lost Flat, Boys. Flatliners. Yes. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. He's out there. Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Tell me, tell well, me, you look at the list. Tell me his last films because he did one where. Um, 2011, he did Trespass. 2011, he did Man in the Mirror. 2010, he did 12. Huh. 2009, he did Blood Creek. 2007, he did the number 23. That's the Jim Carrey. That's the Jim Carrey movie. 2004, Phantom of the Opera. Huh. Okay, but check this out, Mike. The original director of this film was John Landis, who walked away from the production and walked right into American Werewolf in London. So he walked out of this and into tremendous success. 
He didn't like the budget. The budget was going to be $30 million, and then they cut it to eleven. And he goes, what? Fuck this shit. And then it was thirteen, But in the end, it was $20 million because of all the shrinking stuff. So John Landis, this was going to be his film, and wow. he walked away from it. And it, and it launched um, Joel Shoemaker. You know, I, I'm going to plug a friend of mine, uh, David Gebro, who is a fantastic uh, guy, and he has a music podcast called Discography. So think of the word disco and the graffiti, discography, graffiti, discography. Okay. And um, that's how it's spelled. He has a six-part interview with John Landis, who he's, he's been a six colleague. Of he's known John Landis for like 20 years. Yeah. And right now, the first one came out, and he talks about being in Europe, his big break, and doing Slock, his first movie. So I'm going to listen and see what he has to say about Incredible Shrinking Woman. Yeah, he might. Yeah. Okay, now one of the products they sell is Galaxy Glue. And so it was a blessing that the base got broke because he could try the product that they're selling. But what's going to happen is Galaxy Glue is going to get on everything. There's going to be a big chaos suburban crisis lifestyle with um, the Galaxy Glue getting everybody stuck. Now, you, you definitely say like suburban lifestyle and everybody because the whole neighborhood is here. Right. Now, this is where it starts. The Galaxy Glue is on her fingers. And now it's, I mean, the stuff is so good. Everybody who touches anybody who's got Galaxy Glue is stuck. He's wearing a Hulk Dracula costume. Yeah. It's more of the... I don't know. When my kids were, I, I mean, I'm not a strict disciplinarian or something, but when my kids were raised, like it was, there was order. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a scene like this would never happen. Like, <clears throat> right. No, I was just wearing their Halloween costumes around the house would not, <laughs> that's not really true. I guess. That's not true. They do it ever. They, she has three kids, right? Oh, pop, hang yeah, on. Pop, two pardon. kids, a, a, da um, a daughter and a son. Oh, two kids and a dog. Okay, so now for the first time ever, we're going to get like some indication that something's wrong. The straps on her overalls are really loose. And the, the bracelet she always wears is slipping off her. It's the first indication yeah, that something shrinking. weird is going on. Nobody puts two and two together. Uh, he's uh, like, are you losing weight? Well, that's a big food loop. Toy surprise. Yeah, now look, he goes to kiss her, and she's shorter than he expected. So she kisses. He kisses her like face instead of lips. Oh, so they do go to the doctor, right? Lee Van Cleef, right? Is and it? it's just like you're short, you weigh less, you're losing pounds, and nobody loses height. So that's a little concerning. It's a little weird. Now, look, I think this neighbor, you see how she's yeah. now walking through and she's short? I think this neighbor is too much like Lily Tomlin. It doesn't come off well. Everybody could see it's her twice. Is that your sister? You know? Right. Okay, so they have the dilemma of she isn't a shrinking person as much as she's lose. Like they think she's losing height, but now she's starting to realize she's losing everything. Oh yeah. Look at those. 
Man, I, I, it's so cheap. They need another ten million to build that. That's sh that props you. Well, the thing is, they were given eleven. They said we can't do the shrinky stuff with eleven. They said, all right, have thirteen. But in the end, it was twenty because they had to do sets with incredibly large, comfy chairs and couches so that she could appear small. And it, you know, it's all practical effects, but it's done pr more commercialism. They just they just cut to a commercial. One thing I do remember as a kid watching this movie is that two-thirds into this film, they do like a blackout like they would normally do for a TV show before going into a commercial. And yeah. then it comes back to show where her life is then. Like she disappears and she's Passing dead. And there's like, time. Yeah, like there's like a fake blackout or something like uh, in this movie. And I remember that. And I remember like a half expecting to see a commercial follow it. Yes. <laughs> Now, you can see the x-rays there, you know, she's getting smaller, and they're going to, like, send her for tests. Now, Kleinman Institute, now, Kleinman, apparently, in another language, it's probably German, means small. Um, oh, that's cute. Lena Kleine Nachtmusik, a little a little night music by Bozart. Thank you for telling me what that means. I had no idea. So it's their joke. Now it's like, we did... Uh, DNA tests and he's, he's listing all the tests and tests and tests and tests and tests and tests and they don't know what it is. So in the end, the, it's pretty funny. The, the guy's like, okay, what is it, doctor? And he goes, yeah, I, uh, you're getting smaller. <laughs> we know that. He goes, from what? And he goes, well, it's a combination of, and then he lists every product now, he oh. is a co-star on Laugh-In. Henry is, Gibson. Right. Oh, that's right. So it's a little Laugh-In reunion. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the woman, we see her every now and again. Uh, she's also, she was in 9 to 5 as the, I don't know. She doesn't really jump out at me. That's why I'm hesitating here because I have her name. But here it is, Dr. Ruth Ruth. She started in the first thing I recognized was the Happy Hooker, but she was in Nine to Five and okay, I haven't seen I Happy know. Hooker in a while. She was an actress for seventy years. I'm I'm not doing her justice talking her up here. Oh, turn it up because the glue, the solvent, your bubble bath, talcum powder, shampoo, hair conditioner. Setting this low. is why she's shrinking. Low. Mouthwash, hairspray, breath spray, feminine hygiene spray, deodorant, toothpaste, detergent, eye drops, nose drops, hair coloring, diet soda, birth control pills, and smog set off by smog. already present in your system. <laughs> they don't know what it is. I love that it's also like California, you got to throw the smog in. Do you, you recognize her face? You see, she's just sort of unrecognizable. She's a very yeah. bland looking. I don't, I have to rewatch those films, just to, to, but I'll keep an eye out. I she haven't was seen. In Regarding Henry, The Adams sure. Family. She was in Quiz Show. Oh, I remember her in Adams Family, right? She probably was like, hello, I have a normal request. And then the family <laughs> does something crazy and they cut to her reaction. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Abigail Craven and Dr. Pinder Schloss in the Adams family. It's very forgettable. She was uh, Sarah Roosevelt in Hyde Park on Hudson with Bill Murray. Oh, uh, God. That's the one where he's like 
uh, FDR and he had yes. sex. And he's, mm. she's all over TV, all in the family, murder she wrote, Law and Order, Criminal Intent in 2002. She, she's uh, enough said about her. So now they're like, honey, he, she's like, we should talk about our marriage because this is affecting. And she goes, as long as you're wearing this ring, there's nothing different between us. And then the ring slips off. off. I remember that. He goes, let's go home. I also remember he was sexually frustrated, right? Well, he's reading a book called Sex Without Mar Marriage Without Sex. And then one time he's talking to Ned Beatty and he's like, don't even ask about our sex life. And Ned Beatty was like, I was not going to. <laughs> but that's it. That's all we get. He isn't really, he doesn't show frustration, but for yeah. those two. Oh, no. Womp womp. Joel, Joel Shoemaker, the director, he passed away, I believe. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Joel, I don't have, I don't have that information. I just focused on how this was his launch yeah um, no it's a, good, it's a good one and dc cab is another comedy like he didn't really yes. pursue comedy after that like his action films are funny you know and his stories are, have some humor to it right and definitely batman his two batman and robin movies were definitely like meant to be funny yeah that's this is why superman works alone right shoemaker described himself as extremely promiscuous saying in a 2019 interview that he became sexually active at age 11, estimating he had sex with between 10,000 to 20,000 men over the course of his life. Now, how can you say 10,000 to 20,000? That's a full 10,000 men I might have slept with, but I guess he's just trying to say I was promiscuous. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe he stopped, lost count. He clearly... Now, Shoemaker said the first person he knew who died from the AIDS epidemic in 1983 was not promiscuous, leading Schumacher to believe he would die soon. Huh. Oh, yeah. It must see. be quadrupled my chances, and I was planning my death, although he never contracted the disease. Carl, I just want to mention one of the great joys of watching movies is when they go to supermarkets because you get to see <laughs> what was on the shelves in that time period. So you saw the smoke meat sign in the back. Yes. And, you know, and like you have the sodas by the produce because it, it's sunkiss orange. You put the orange soda by the Because it's like a fruit. Yeah. Now, this, this, um, big, um, this big grocery cart she's in, the prop, yeah. later... In the Jackass movie, that is, they oh, no use shit. this prop. This is, the, yeah, and you know Jackass was a billion years later. Right, and well, that uh, shopping cart stunt is one of their, like, iconic scenes, I guess. Like you, you, um, you, 2000, you, yeah, the large shopping cart prop from the grocery store scene was later reused in Jackass the movie 2002. Geez, so this is like 81, so you're talking 31 years. Yeah, that thing stayed alive. Okay, now, Lily Tomlin has had enough because everyone's gawking. So she says to the other Lily Tomlin, take me out of here and sneak me out. Oh, no, but so, Mel Blanks is Here's not really what, Mr. Whipple from Charmin. There is nothing in this place Let's hear. of any concern to you. Oh, excuse me, Mrs. <laughs> now let me just talk about him because he'll never show up again okay sure. we know please don't squeeze the Charmin and that was why this guy's famous 
And you would think that that was it. But no, man, check this out. This guy was in, I'm talking, it started in 1958. In Wagon Train, he was the bartender. He was in The Texan. He was in The Untouchables. He was in The Rifleman. He was in The Virginian, Perry Mason, Ben Casey, Twilight Zone. It goes on forever. But what's really funny is the characters he plays. Um, uh, he was in Gomer Pyle as clerk number three. He was in Petticoat Junction as airline clerk. <sighs> Let me find some. Oh, here he is. He was yeah. in Bewitched as man in bar. He was in a million things. He has so many credits in which his credit is drunk. He was in... Uh, he was in Bewitched as Drunk. Drunk. He was in Alice 1979 TV show as Drunk. Oh, do you think he was drunk in the diner? Mel would have 86, the guy. <laughs> yup, he would have. You, maybe that's how the scene went down. Uh, he was in Gidget. He was in The Munsters as Al. He was in McHale's Navy as Dino. He was in That Girl as Clerk. He was in The Flying Nun as Joe. I mean, it's just funny. So anyway, he he would finally make it as please don't squeeze the Charmin lady. And that went on for decades. That did? Well, yes. Uh, that went on from 65 through 89. That's a long-ass run. Then That's he came back run. for one year in 1999 to 2000. He got cast again as Mr. Whipple. But do you notice, like, those bears, that bear family ate them? Did, you, did I ever tell you that story? The no. reason why you see like toilet paper now is like bears. Charmin, right? Charmin, yeah. the bears ate him. The bears ate Mr. Whipple. They mauled his ass. <laughs> they squeezed him. Now, what we're seeing here is her life is changing because she's super small, and the 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 help Concepcion is the one who's like becoming the mom. The mom. And it's like it's a big downer. So, in typical. 1970s fashion this was shot in february of 79 they are there were only three networks back then and so if there was a little bit of news everyone would descend look how she has a smartphone I, wait a minute whoa yeah yeah she's got an iphone oh no she's one of those time travelers with a cell phone that pop up in pictures and, and videos so that yep because that's a real thing so the tv is blowing up with her and she's on the cover of people and time and life it's unrealistic they're it's using unreal. real titles in this parody movie like they're not saying it's they always did that no sometimes they don't sometimes they'll fake it like a fake magazine yeah they'll have a different name you it's implied that it's life i don't know if you okay, saw now, they yeah. just turned on the garbage disposal Right, and that, we're supposed to remember that because there'll be a later scene. Okay, now, she's going to spill some dishes, right? And Charles Grodin has this funny story. His mom and his wife were upset with him that he does not help Lily Tomlin with the dishes. Let me see. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, his mother and some of her fr his friends were upset with him because his character didn't help his partially <laughs> shrunken wife when she dropped the stack of dishes but only shook his head. Groden tried to explain that the to his mother that Lily Tomlin handling a stack of oversized dishes in that scene, if he tried to help her, they would have seen that he wasn't, she wasn't tiny. And the reaction shots were done separately. 
and the mother just didn't understand the explanation he tried to tell her three times so he's she goes oh forget it and she just (laughs) yeah because this is what a few years after star wars people are still don't understand special effects boom Uh, go help him her charles okay this guy, I know his face from Scrooged. He was oh, I never the Scrooge. How about that? What's I'm... that? I never saw Scrooge. Oh, okay. Never. Stop what you're doing. Uh, let's pause the podcast okay, pause and the go podcast. watch Scrooge, and then come back All because right. you have to see it. Carl, I'm back. Okay. How uh, did you enjoy? Yes, and may I be the Typical first? Bill Murray, right? May I be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas? Oh, well, thank you, Scrooge. I haven't seen it because it's a Merry Christmas movie. That's all. Oh, Mike Douglas. Yeah, we're going to see Mike Douglas. We're going to hear him sing a song now. (laughs) (laughs) He was a staple, man. Like, uh, this is a big, big thing for him. And he's been in other movies as himself, too. Yes, he had a huge show. It was around the time of Dinah Shore. It was pre-Oprah days. Um, I get whatever, like Carrie Underwood. It was an afternoon show, pre-Ellen. Yes. Well, pre-Ellen is, of course, but I'm saying it was... Pre-9-11. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you might know that guy, not from Scrooge then, but he was in Gremlins 2, The New Batch. He was sure. He was in Superman on Smallville. Uh, you probably don't. I've seen him in Gremlins. He was an advertising spokesperson in RoboCop 2. He was a mobster yeah. in Payback. Seen, I've seen all those movies. Oh, he's singing right now. Hang on, let's hear Douglas. Look, I know. Oh. Well, Ned Beatty's saying she can't go out there and indict the products of America. She's going to ruin our businesses. Oh, right. And Gordon has a stake because it's his wife. Right, so Gruden's like, can't we at least have a thing that this might be harmful to your size on the, you know. But Lily Tomlin won't. Mike Douglas will ask her straight out, what is making you shrink? This is what I want to know. This is what the world wants to know. And she just goes, it's undetermined right now. And Ned Beatty breathes a sigh of relief. But Henry Gibson says it's all those products. What he does, but the truth is, he was also, he didn't know what kind of bullshit exploit, plus a condition you already had. Yeah, right. Okay, so there's the weather. I guess Mike Douglas, is this his national show or is this a special show? Or No, it's his regular talk show. See, Lily Tomlin, too, the neighbor, was like, go ahead, listen to his art. His... This is what America wants, not an indictment of danger. And you want to give them what they want, don't you? Yeah. Huh? Huh? Well, uh-huh. He's also like in in network. He gives a similar spiel. Remember, he was the one who tells uh, Howard Lamb that you, you, countries were... don't matter; money matters. Yeah, that was his big speech. Big that speech. was a huge movie. Yep, and that was a big speech. So it's funny to see him kind of do the same character, but more comedically. Yeah, his white suits. Well, they were always color-coordinated. 
Whatever yeah. the color was, his three pieces would be that. He's not the only one wearing a three-piece suit in this movie. Grodin casually wears one. And so does Ned Beatty. Yeah. I guess this was when it was... I mean, three-piece suits had always been around, I guess, since the 20s, but they got a resurgence in the 70s. We watched a bunch of movies uh, in the 80s where people casually... Like, if you watch TV shows, like, character actors will just have George a three-piece suit. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever seen anyone wear it. Not that I now, don't this like is it. the kind of thing that cost a bunch of money to make a giant set, and she has Land a this out. box. I'm out. Yeah, I mean, this is all pre-CGI and pre-9-11. <laughs> you can't, you can't say pre without... Much. This is, this is pre-2020. This is pre-my son... I was just saying, like, I, I can't say pre anymore without saying 9-11. <laughs> My dad walked the earth at this time. Pre-9-11. Pre-9-11. So, special effects. right. Pra practical effects, and they did it by splitting the, you know, you, you never see his hand go behind her. They right. Split the, there's your fan club. It's so funny that they, they spent all this time and money and special effects on a scene where she's on TV talking to Mike Douglas. Like, there, there's some humor in that, like, the emptiness of it. Like, you know, where else do you state your case but on Mike Douglas? Well, that was, the you know, with only three networks and no internet, and this is how people got disseminated information and news. So that present it was just, I never realized the present, I've seen this a bunch of times, and the present was just for a step stool. It wasn't a yeah, real Yeah, right. So brought it, turn, it up, turn it up. Turn it up. It's cutting to commercial. Oh, she goes, finally, she made this joke. Finally, I'm getting heard now that I'm shrinking. And I can tell my story. And he goes, we'll be right back. After and then they cut the Galaxy Glue commercial. But I wanted you to turn it up because it's going to be the point of what's making you shrink. Now, everyone has one question in mind. And I have that same question in my mind right now. Why are you shrinking? Oh, man, look at every not word. Ah, uh, go ahead. I guess everyone else is dressed preppy. It hasn't been determined yet, Mike. Right on. Okay, <laughs> this group here that you're seeing, it's the. This group is called the um. Uh, the group of like for world management, and they're like an evil organization headed by um, Henry Gibson. Gibson. And their plan is to get a sample of her blood to make a serum in which they could shrink everybody in the world, sealing them their power. Great, and this the is the classic world management. And this is a really good movie trick, which is that they change the narrative from her to outside forces. Like, the story is bigger than her. Yeah, they're the bad guys, and that's right. They're going to try all sorts of things to kidnap her, essentially. Yeah. And they'll mm -hmm. be successful in the end. Go ahead and listen to his plot. I'm Ace. I know it. 
Meister, that's sure. That's a serum could be developed. Uh-huh. Blood. But what's her name? Pam? Uh, Pat Kramer. Yes. Oh, it's funny how Ned Beatty got it wrong. It's the, you know, his worker's wife. Her doctor that he remember. Yeah. Our entire... And using a process not unlike water fluoridation, a few drops... Do you recognize her from 9 to 5? No. ...effective for shrinking masses of people. Except, of course, for a few of us. Shrink the world. Hey. I like it. Yeah, all right. And more? In our hands. Well, I... I feel I would need a show. Check it out. I'll keep it going? Yeah. You'll have to count me out. Not too fast, then. We can't count you out. You know too much. Oh. And listen to what he says. Much, but I think, fortunately, you know, we're always here. See, I don't really understand everything it is, but I know. Now, that's what really counts. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I really don't understand half the time what you guys are talking about. So do I really know too much? Now, if you have some ideas about how we should approach her, well, I've got ideas. Old Tan has got a plan A, sure. I, wasn't he in the, the toy? Like, I'm half expecting him to say, oh, oh yeah, he was in the toy, Ned Beatty. Yeah, he kind was... Of like, Jackie Gleason's like right hand man. Yeah, and he did the and same was, thing. Oh, yeah. well, no, if he wants, if he wants him, then that, that's that the boy wants him. Now, last episode, I was complaining about how Dan Aykroyd is always the same guy. Ned Beatty really shares that. You know, he doesn't stretch. He doesn't He's stretch. Always the same inflections, the same tone. But in fairness to him, unlike Dan Aykroyd. He's often playing the same, well, Dan Aykroyd too, but he's often playing the same type of character. Well, you know, like Network, he's playing it straight. He's playing it very serious. And a lot of his other films, right. he doesn't. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times they say we need a dead baby, but they put him in a position that's challenging. Like the character himself has some nuance to it. Oh, yes. blasphemy. Santa was not there. Listen, Santa's well, a white guy, and he was not at the manger because he doesn't exist. The, we, I think we saw a film that proves that he exists, right? Oh, you're talking about Kirk Cameron's? Kirk Cameron, yeah. yeah, we did. So, look, she can only wear doll stuff, so they're getting her superstar sissy house to live in and no, look at doll it. clothes. Heartbroken. Heartbroken. Uh-oh. This is the moment we've been waiting for. So that's all we see, and I really think they missed a comedic point there because they could have done a lot of stuff with her. Big long chase with the dog, dog. Yeah. but they didn't. So the dog has to go. Just it's not safe for her. Oh, how sad. Yep. Uh, there's more more commercials. Like, yeah, this is a fast. suburban. Like she lives in her own little dollhouse. Now, this I don't think is very funny. She's making a recording of her memoirs, and then she presses play to hear it, and it's so loud it rocks the... Oh. I don't think it's very believable, but you tell me if you think it's funny. Now she's going to press play. I love this giant machine. It looks fake to me, right? 
Uh-oh. But it's not an emergency. 